0: Your homework, friends, is to see similarities and differences with the passage that we're going to engage together this morning from Mark chapter 3 in Jesus' transfiguration. Amazing things happen on mountains as you read through the pages of Scripture. Did you ever take notice to that for those of you that have read through or have engaged the scripture, amazing things seem to happen on mountains. Just as an example, you know, Moses on Mount Sinai, Elijah on Mount Carmel, right, with the prophets of Baal, and there's others. And today Jesus goes up to the top of a mountain, And yet, as amazing and wonderful as we read and seek to understand what's going on, there's some mystery involved. There might be some scratching of heads or hearts stirring. I mean, it happens every day in our culture. There's new news, right? Lately, what are these unidentified flying objects that are getting shot down, and it brings up the conversation. Are these aliens? Are these foreign governments? What we see and what we experience are challenging. What we see and what we experience are challenging. Friends, another way in which the news is hot right now is what is God doing at Asbury College in Kentucky? What we see or hear and what we wonder others are experiencing or what we seek to experience ourselves might get us concerned or fearful or just have a lot of questions. Well, friends, just a brief comment of I I don't like to use the word revival, but I do believe that there's been an outpouring, a movement of the Holy Spirit. Credible sources that I have been reading tell me things like this. There's no pressure or hype to do anything dramatic there at Asbury. There's no manipulation. There's no high-pitched emotional fervor. To the contrary, it has been so far been mostly calm. And serene. The mix of hope and joy and peace is indescribably strong and indeed almost palpable. A vivid and incredible, powerful sense of shalom. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is undeniably powerful, but also so gentle. The holy love of the triune God is apparent, and there is an inexpressible sweetness and innate attractiveness to it. It is immediately obvious why no one wants to leave and why those who must leave want to come back as soon as they can. And then from a Gen Z-er, a young adult, she writes this. I find it interesting that God would mark this outpouring with a tangible sense of peace for a generation with unprecedented anxiety. A restorative sense of belonging for a generation amidst an epidemic of loneliness. An authentic hope for a generation marked by depression. A leadership emphasizing, emphasizing protective humility in relationship with power for a generation deeply hurt by the abuse of religious power a focus on participatory adoration for an age of digital distraction. It feels as if God is personally meeting young adults in ways meaningful to them. Friends, what we see and what we experience can sometimes bring us on a broad spoke of the spectrum of emotion. And I share this with you today because let's place ourselves in Peter, James, and John's shoes. What they saw on that mountain with Jesus being transfigured and what they experienced had to blow them away. Were they hallucinating? Was this a bad dream? What do you think, ultimately? But let me say a brief prayer, and then I'm just going to read through Mark chapter 9, verses 1 through 13, the transfiguration of our Lord from Mark's account, also found in Matthew and Luke, which tells us something, right? Dear Jesus, thank you for allowing us to have questions, to have doubts, hopes, and fears. By your Spirit, speak to us this morning, From your word to us, this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 9. Again, I'll be reading verses 1 through 13. God's word tells us, and he, Jesus, said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death, before they see the kingdom of God has come with power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from The cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen. From the dead. They kept this matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, Why do you, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah does not come first and restore all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it is written about him. God's word to us today. What in the world is going on here, right? What are James, Peter, and John seeing and experiencing What do you see and experience when you navigate a text like this? Do you write it off? Do you say this couldn't be? But all that I am getting from this is that on that mountaintop, we can witness who has the supreme power in this world and in the church. Jesus is head of the church. Thanks be to God. Amen. I think that's what bubbles to the top. As they go up that mountain and experience it, we get to see where the true power, who holds it. And as they begin to walk down the mountain with those questions about Elijah, we learn once again that Pastor Janae unpacked for us last week, that suffering is the form that this power takes, the suffering servant kind of upside down logic if Jesus is the anointed one if he is the Messiah and I think that's what this passage is pointing to why does he have to suffer the disciples had those questions we have those questions It's easy enough for us to dismiss such an experience. Can you imagine the three that were there with him, Peter, James, and John? As a hallucination, a a wild one at that. They were terrified. Peter blurts out the first thing that comes to his mind. But God, friends, is at work in a very powerful way testifying to the divine and eternal glory of his beloved son, Jesus, the promised Messiah. Listen to him, the voice of the Father from the heavens. Listen to him. And friends, I think that is God's message to us today as well. What? Listen to him listen to him. Jesus was transfigured. This word in Greek, Paul uses a couple times as more an internal transformation as God molds us and shapes us to become more into the image of Christ. Now, obviously here, it seems to have to do more with Jesus's outward visible appearance. But on that mountain for those brief moments... The glory of Jesus as fully God was shown to those three disciples. He was still fully human, but his glory was transformed or transfigured right before them. We're not told why Moses and Elijah were present rather than some other Old Testament figures. But since Moses was the great lawgiver and Elijah was the first of the great prophets, the two seem to represent what? The law and the prophets. Suggesting now as they disappeared that Jesus has got it from here. Jesus said, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And then there's that cloud, the Shekinah glory cloud where the presence of God dwelled and the voice from heaven once again spoke to who the Son of God is and was. But what what is new here, friends, in this time when the voice speaks is what? Those three words, listen to him. Say it with me. Listen to him. I have a couple slides that Lucas is going to put up for me. Let's see. Is that the... There we go. That's the first time in the Gospel of Mark. And a voice came from heaven, what? You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. God is speaking directly to Jesus. Let's go to the next slide. Almost the same thing. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. What's the addition? Listen to him. It's about Jesus. God the Father is reaffirming that this is his beloved son whom he loves so much. And now there's more a command added on to the end, isn't there? listen to him listen to him next slide i want to take you back to deuteronomy 18:15 where moses says the lord your god will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you from your fellow israelites you must what listen to him and god fulfilled that prophecy that promise from the mouth of Moses, right here on the Mount of Transfiguration. The voice of baptism from the Father and the voice from the mountaintop. Dr. Dale Bruner says this. I think it's a powerful quote. What does this twice-repeated voice mean? It means that the single most important fact that God wants the church and the world to know, barring none, is that all we have is all that we have in Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus is everything, friends. It's Jesus alone. What happens to Moses and Elijah? They fade away. They fade away. At the center of the transfiguration is the voice's great declaration of who Jesus is. The God, God the Father, and who he should be to us. God wants it to be very clear that Jesus is all we need. Now that this messianic figure has been raised up, he is Jesus, and the duty of Peter in this text, as well as others, is to be quiet and listen to what Jesus has to say. Is that what Peter does? I love Peter. I love Peter. Could anything be more relevant today? We sometimes hear people say in a crisis situation, don't just stand there, do something. How many times, Gene and I, trying to manage at times four kids, don't just stand there, do something. (laughs) I'll never forget. We've been on the adoption journey with all four of our kids, and Nicole is our oldest, and we'll never forget waiting. It was in the days of the beepers, before we had a cell phone. Remember beepers, pagers? We we got paged as we were driving on Route 19 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We pulled at the next gas station. It was a BP. You can tell I never forget these details. Went to a thing called a payphone. Do you remember payphones? We dialed the the, the number, and we got a hold of Michelle, the birth mother. And and Jean said something like, well, what do you want? She was in labor. And and Jean said, what do you want us to do now? And Michelle basically said, I guess get on a plane and get here. Don't just stand there. Do something. (laughs) But one sharp theologian I read says this. When he is thinking about the truths of God revealed in scripture, he puts it this way. Don't just do something. Stand there. Be still. And I think Peter, in all honesty, just gives us a great example to learn from when we're in the presence of God, when we take those moments to pray and, and, and do our Bible reading, some of you are involved in the cover-to-cover reading right here at Good Shepherd in 2023. Just, just stand there and be still. You don't have to do anything. A lot of people think that that Peter and Mark were very close the writer of this gospel and i think that's why Peter put in or Peter had Mark put in parentheses the reason why i blurted out build the three shelters was we didn't know what else to do we were terrified i think Peter wanted Mark to put that in there just so you know i learned from this but we were terrified at the time by what we see And what we experience in this world, spiritual or not, at times can get us terrified. May we seek God's guidance and his help. So they're on the mountain. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is head of the church. All power and that Shekinah glory was demonstrated to Peter, James, and John. And then it's Time to come down off of that mountaintop experience, right? And on that way down the mountain, questions about Elijah. And I think what Jesus basically is getting there, especially if you read the other gospel accounts, Matthew and Luke, it's pretty clear that Jesus got through to the disciples that John the Baptist... The work of Elijah, John the Baptist didn't come back as Elijah, but the work of Elijah had been fulfilled by John the Baptist. And Jesus basically said, how did that work out for him? He suffered and died because he prepared the way of the Lord. And the son of man, me, is also going to have to suffer and die. And the disciples are still scratching their heads. By calling to their attention this pattern, Jesus was reinforcing his teaching that it was necessary for him to be crucified. This was the second most important thing he had to teach them after he had taught them who he was and to listen to him. Peter, James, and John had been given a glimpse of glory, friends, on that mountain. Listen to him. That is what the voice from the cloud said to Peter, James, and John. Now, whether there's a cloud of Shekinah glory at Asbury College, I have no idea. But I do believe that there's been an outpouring of God's spirit. And I do believe now not only young people, but people from all over the world are being led there to come and to listen and to worship Jesus. But each of us is called to do what the heavenly voice said as well, aren't we? Listen to Jesus. Friends, listen to Jesus. Because he is God's beloved son. And we, as we learn to listen, even if sometimes we get scared and say all the wrong things, just like Peter, we may find that glory creeps up on us unawares, strengthening us, as it did the disciples, for the road ahead. What are you dealing with today? Where the Spirit is just impressing upon your hearts, your minds, and your lives, what? Listen. Listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. With this world 24-7, 365, let's listen to Jesus together. We may not be able to explain unidentified flying objects or fully understand what's going on at places now like Asbury College, but I think God is calling especially his church to begin to listen in a deeper, more profound way to Jesus, to the true Messiah, the anointed one. And yet Jesus begins to reinforce, and he's going to reinforce it again next week, that the way of following me is to suffer, is to put others' needs ahead of yours. And sometimes that is costly and it's hard. But as we listen to Jesus, friends, may he continue to guide and direct us. You know, Peter later wrote, and I want to put these verses from Second Peter up on the screen right now because Peter later wrote, about his experience on the mountain. And so it's, footno- it's scripture footnoting scripture from 2 Peter. We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father... When that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory saying, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. That experience, as Peter was trying to further process what he saw and experienced, he had to capture it. And God captured it in scripture for us, that Jesus is Lord. He's the only Lord, and he is all-powerful. And yet that power, friends, is the one that lives itself out as a suffering servant. How will you listen to Jesus this week? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks and praise for what you are up to in this world and in our own families and in our personal lives. Thank you, Lord, that you promise to never leave us nor forsake us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to continue to learn to listen to you not only with our our ears but also with our hearts. As we continue to see and experience you at work in this world in miraculous and yet mysterious ways, may we know that you are on the throne that you are head of your church near and far, big and small, that you are stirring in the hearts of Christians in this world. Continue to give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have to say to us this day and every day that you give us. And we pray this in your wonderful and powerful name. Amen.